It's a place that's constantly improving, constantly changing. I was a reconnaissance platoon leader at the time. When somebody says you're in charge, you're in charge. But it, I don't hesitate with things like that. And we're live. I am in the same fraternity as Liam, yes. Gotcha. So, Phi Psi. And I heard you went to Washington Lee. I did. You were class of... What? 87. 87. I got here 40 years ago this coming August 1st. Oh, wow. That's August exciting. August 1st, 1983. Yeah, I played football. And we started early. Yep. And you were in KA, right? Yeah, that was an odd one. Yeah? Oh, I'm from New York. Okay. I'm so from South Carolina. Back so. then, it was an odd thing. I think that it's a little more it's a little more integrated in terms of North-South than right. it was. Right, right, right. Well, 80s. it seems like every single person I meet is, and it's probably just because I'm from the South, so it seems like it more than it probably is, but everyone I meet is like from New York and New Jersey. They're pretty highly represented at Dubby now, but I think probably we're heavier in Virginia, Texas. I, yeah, Texas too. And I know there are some, a ton of Texans. Interesting. I have a, I have a friend. So I'm on the wrestling team, and they're basically every single wrestler is a New Jersey, Pennsylvania. That, well, I mean, think about where the wrestling states are, right? Right. Like I wrestled in high school. Okay. Really? What well, weight? South Carolina isn't yeah. a wrestling state per se. No, not at all. Um, I'm from New York. I wrestled 126. Okay. They changed up the weight classes a lot. So. Well, they changed mid season. I don't remember. I don't even remember. Didn't, That's, did, did, yeah. didn't you get a little leeway as the season went on? Like when they're like a three to five pound addition to yeah. the class or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, that, what's funny is I, I talk about with my friends is that that's the best Christmas gift is the, the two pound allowance the, the, the after, or it was like a pound or a two pound allowance or something after Christmas. Yeah. And that's better than any that's Christmas present. Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, if you haven't wrestled, you don't get it. Why that's such a big no, deal? No, not at all. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm basically there. There are a lot of wrestlers in my fraternity, but there's also a lot of ex wrestlers. So um, there's always a lot of ex wrestlers, isn't there? I think, it's yeah, a I think sport. Right? It, no, it's very hard. Um, I don't know. the The retention rate's pretty pretty low compared to to most. But I would I, imagine. I mean, I came on. This is my second year, and I my freshman year. Like within the first, before Christmas, there had already been like three people that quit. Yeah. And I was like texting my parents and I was like kind of nervous, but oh no. I, I, I'm, I, I think I'll stuck it out. Yeah. It's good to be able to say you're a four year. That's what my dad's like, telling me. It's a really good thing to be able to say, I promise. Okay. Um, that's what my dad, you know, preaches to me. And I think one of the reasons why I'm not as burnt out or I'm more willing to stick with it is because. I started in eighth grade. Most of these people on the team have started like it makes a big difference. Yeah. They started when they were like four yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so for sure. um I'm not as burnt out and I feel like there's a lot more room for me to grow. Plus um, you're surrounded with great people and you have great coaches. Yes. You can't um, beat that. I agree. Um it's nice that, you know, I have my family uh, at the fraternity, I have those those friends and that group of people, but I also have a group of wrestlers who were all like-minded. Um, and I think that's with any sport. Oh, for sure. And you'll find out when you come back for your five and 10 and 15 year reunion, of course you hang out with your fraternity brothers, but the people that you really went through something with are your fellow athletes. That's who I find myself hanging out with. We were, I don't remember how many of us there were. KA did not used to have anything to do with football. I think we were probably the first year of pledges that played football. There's about five of us Okay. in KA at the time. 
largely Faisai. Oh, wow. At the time. Faisai, Fiji, and Faisai and Fiji were largely the football. Interesting. And you're still in touch with a lot of the... All the football players, for sure. Um, and I'm in touch with most everybody now, given the mm -hmm. position. You know, I see, you know, fraternity brothers or people who I graduated with, kids come through here, that sort of thing. I, I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of folks. Right. More than I probably would be if I weren't here. Interesting. So how did you find yourself back, coming back to work here? That's a crazy route. Um, well, I guess the short answer is I um, was a professor at UNC Charlotte for nine years and um, state of North Carolina started making a lot of belt tightening cuts, basically freezing pay. So I just started looking around for gigs and um, the uh, chair position of German and Russian came up and I applied for that and got it. And that was about 10 years ago. That was my 25th reunion year that I got hired. So it was kind of cool. Interesting. Um, I have a friend at UNC Charlotte, actually, that came up this weekend. That's a great play. It's a, it's totally different. It's pretty new, too. It's a new school. It's relatively, relatively new. And a lot of the facilities are brand new. But like even since I left 10 years ago, it's just exploded. I mean, there's a train station on campus that gives it this really cool vibe that most places don't mm -hmm. have. You know, I mean, like the, the link. Right. Have you been down there yet to visit uh, I have not. I'm, I'm trying it's, to actually cool. plan something. But I mean, I've... They don't have trains in Columbia, South Carolina. Right. So. And, they, and this is just, quote, unquote, the link. It's, a, it's not a huge mass transit thing, but the fact that they could take a train downtown, because UNC Charlotte is a little bit outside of downtown. Right. It's just a great place. Interesting. Charlotte always has the worst traffic, though. I've driven, I drive there through, yeah. to, to, to oh, school. Oh, you have to go through it for yeah. you. It's no, it's, it's never play. been good. It doesn't matter if it's like 3 yeah. p.m. or in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's pretty bad. Um, sure. I mean, Davidson now is basically in Charlotte and just getting in and around Davidson right. is tough. And that, when it was built, was in the middle of nowhere, way outside of Charlotte in yeah. whatever year. And now right, it's right. part of Charlotte and all that traffic. Mm -hmm. So did you, but you didn't think that you would end up back at Washington Lee before you applied that or? No, man. When I came here, I was, uh, well, I'm the first in my family to go to college. So my parents said, if you're going to college, you'll major in business. So I majored in business and I haven't used that one single day in my life uh -huh. business degree yeah um i um went in the army for seven years and then when i got out i was just you know trying to figure out what to do and talked my way into a german graduate program at carolina um i had had a bunch of german already but we didn't have we didn't have minors back then here so you couldn't really minor and um found myself enjoying that and while i was doing that Doing my master's, I um, volunteered to coach at the local high school in Chapel Hill, which at the time there was just one, Chapel Hill High. Finished my master's and started doing my PhD at Georgetown. And my wife at the time and I were really not liking DC with a, with a newborn. I got a call out of the blue telling me that Chapel Hill Carver City Schools are opening a new high school. They need a German teacher and a football coach. And that, like, when does, what, right. that's like, that's <laughs> not the universe calling. Yeah. So I did that for a long time. I coached and taught high school and then started doing my PhD very part-time. So I became a professor later in life. Right. So you're professor in German. You're, are you fluent in German? Mm -hmm. When did you start no, <laughs> on that, on that school, track? Oh, wow. Okay. Very progressive middle school. It's right. Like, at the time they, they, they did two weeks of French, two weeks of Spanish, two weeks of German and two weeks of Latin. And then they let you choose. And you like the German route? Yeah, it was just something different, right? Yeah, um, yeah. French. So most people took French because I'm from that part of New York where okay. if you cross the border, you can speak right. French. And 
Spanish at the time, nobody, no, it wasn't, it, I mean, obviously it's a worldwide language, but at the time, as far as Spanish learning goes, it was not the, the sort of juggernaut that it is now for mm-hmm. these reasons. Yeah, I mean, I've taken Spanish since as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, I'm taking Russian now, but I've always loved languages, so I didn't think that I would make the switch from Spanish to Russian, but by my senior year, I was, I could speak and hold a conversation. The speaking was more important to me, just being sure. able to, um, it, it was just cool, you know, yeah. talking another language casually. But I got here and I'm from Minsk, Belarus. Oh, okay. So I was adopted when I was about 18 months old or 16 months old. Um, and I saw that they offered Russian. And I was like, why not? You know, you're not the only one here. That's from Minsk. No, no, from that who is adopted, but with Russian, like a, a, a Russian adopted child. Uh, uh, what is his name? Might be a senior. It'll come to me. Um, no worries. No, uh, who who was yeah. raised, you know, speaking English and American. Right. Wanted to do. I, I don't know that. I, I've I've talked to. Um, I've actually already recorded several podcast episodes with um, some people that are from Ukraine and you know, have the who are Russian, yeah, yeah, who have, like, I guess a Russian background, but For sure. I'm not sure of anyone that's also adopted from... Oh, it's, uh, I can see his face right now, but I'm not going to come up with his name. doesn't matter. No worries. Um, no, uh, Yulia, Rubina, um, and Dimitri are my two professors, so... Yeah, they're I've, fantastic. Yeah, no, they're, they're great. Um, and I had, I had Dimitri on... Um, I think he's supposed to, uh, I've already recorded like 12 episodes and I think he's supposed to be like the third or fourth. Oh, cool. So that was kind of fun to, to sit down with him. Um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Right, right. They both are. Oh, well, he's, he's really big into film. Yeah. And film I'm in theater. a documentary filmmaking class right now. So we discussed that. Okay. Um, I'm taking class with uh, Kevin Finch. Oh, all right. So that's, cool. yeah, we're supposed to so finish what, that So what, are up. you STRATCOM or? Yes, strategic communication and uh, minor in Russian. And originally I was going to do business and I, I tell a lot of people this, but I was on the business track and then I get here my first month and I'm talking to everyone and they're like, oh, I'm going to do uh, pre-med or I'm doing, you know, law. Yeah. And it seemed like every single person knew that I talked to right, knew what they wanted to do. And I just was talking to my parents. I was like, right. is it because it's w Is is or is, do, does everyone else just have something figured out that I don't? And my parents are like, Trust me, either it's just a rehearsed answer that like they still don't know what they want. For or, sure. Um, yeah. And that was kind of scary. And then after playing around well, with. It was just the way you said it too. Like you were on the business track. What business track? Yeah. There is no business track. Right. Until you're right. a junior. I mean, yeah. you can take some as a sophomore, but you had in your mind. And I think huh. that's exactly right. It's what you're saying about the other students. I mean, mm-hmm. Everybody has in their mind what they're going to do. But you come here and you you, you learn some fascinating things that change in it sometimes changes your course. Yeah, I think that's what my parents were hoping is that they they kept on telling me, you know, take as many different classes. If, if you see something that looks interesting, take it. Yeah. Um, especially when you're a freshman, you have right area to play around with stuff. That's exactly and, the nature of this place. Right. Yeah, I guess if I had chosen, I, I probably would have been a sociology major. You think I so? Choose. I wouldn't even have been a jerk. Yeah, I found those classes by far the most interesting here. Sociology and philosophy or just? <clears throat> just social. Interesting. I think I only took one philosophy class. Okay. Um, the the philosophy classes have way too much reading for me. So I'm not, I, I enjoy writing, which is yeah. on strategic communication. Um, but it's I, I want my, to say the only philosophy class I took would have been in the spring term. And, I, and of course, 
memory is always questionable, but my memory is that he put a pencil in the middle of the room and we've discussed whether that was really there or not from different philosophical traditions. Oh, that probably would have convinced me to- the entire six weeks. Do that too. Wow. Well, okay. that, it, would, yeah, it was six weeks back then and you took two classes. Mm -hmm. A little bit different. Yeah. Right, right, right. So how, how has, since you went to WNL and then now being here, what what are some major changes or just your kind of perspective on the entire school and how it's changed? Yeah, I like to say it's same different, right? Like it it is still, as you know, this the, it's an incredible community, right? Like parents are involved, alumni are involved, the students are involved, the faculty right. are involved, and it, it it just has the same vibe. You know, it was, it, it was interesting because last weekend was um, alumni weekend, and mm -hmm. I heard a, a, the newly elected uh, um, alumni association president talk about how kind of when you when you're when when you're driving back to Lexington you just get this feeling in your gut it just feels like you're really excited to see yeah. people and all that now of course I live here now so I don't have that every day but I get what she's talking about like that 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 feeling that is devised sort of or that is derived from the community is so strong here it's incredible mm -hmm. and then the difference is you're all smarter you know and therefore better students yeah I mean I'm the second dumbest class in the history of Washington that's 88. You think so? I'm sorry, 87. Dumbest is 88. No, no, admissions requirement wise. Oh, and, then it's, and then it goes co-education. Like, you know, co-education was a sort of has to happen kind of thing right. if we wanted to stay a quality institution. Absolutely. Um, and, and it, it, you know, so it, it, there's no comparison between you guys and and the, the students of the 80s. In fact, I feel like I, I feel like Sally Richmond in admissions every now and then puts up this chart when she's a room full of us older folks just and and, and has the 80s on there just as a ha ha. And he oh, shows gosh. The, yeah. The, you yeah. Know, the sort of increase in standards and everything from there. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, that is hugely different. And then also, it's just such a more diverse place. I mean, people worry that WNL isn't diverse, you know, we may have different goals of making it diverse in every way, whether that's intellectual diversity or right. demographic or whatever. Um, but it's incredibly diverse compared to what it was in 1983. Very much when so. got here. So it's, it, you know, it's a place that's constantly improving, in my opinion, constantly changing to some people's chagrin. But, you know, um, Ken Ruscio, former president, one, I don't remember what the occasion was for his speech, but he said, Basically, if you come back to visit your alma mater after 10 years and nothing's changed, you didn't go to a very good place. <laughs> it's just going to change. It's yeah. always going to change. That's fair. You know, and it's, it, it, it has to do with the people and who, who the people are here too. But the nature of knowledge production changes over time. There's lots of new things that were not a thing in 1983 that are a thing now. Uh, nanotechnology in the sciences, something called digital humanities in the humanities. Like there's all sorts of new ways to interrogate things that you're interested in that just didn't exist back then. Mm. That's cool. Um, no, I mean, I my, my friends came up this weekend and they were, they, they all go to larger schools. I came from a graduating class of like 80 people. I went to a oh, small wow. private school in Columbia and um, everyone that went there, either since it's so small, you either want to stick with the same or you want the exact opposite. Um, I have a friend that is at University of Michigan. It's 7,000 yeah. people, I think. Um, but I, I liked that connection with the professors, the smaller class sizes, um, pretty much yeah. everything. I everything. I think I applied to eight schools and all of them um, were basically under 10,000, I think. 
Yeah. And but I've 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 wanted to come to Washington Lee since seventh grade. Oh, that's cool. Um, which isn't the case for a lot of people. I talked to um a lot of my friends on the wrestling team, and they said they hadn't even heard of the school uh before, which is odd because it's very, at least from where I'm from. I don't know if it's I think community. it's from it's where you're from. You know. Okay. I do think that people people don't necessarily think of Washington Lee when they think of like the top ten. Yeah, liberal arts institutions. You know, I think they have Amherst in mind and Williams in mind, but you know, we're always hanging around there. In the yeah, it's it's always been very well promoted at my school, and I think every year at least one or two people um, go um, come here, and yeah, you know, cool. I've I've some. Which school is it? Uh, my my high school, uh, Hammond Hammond School. Okay, in so Columbia. Yeah. Good. There's plenty of people from him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Wade Oliver, uh, Michael Schreibman. Yeah. Um, but but there's also it? a lot of people from just the Columbia area. Yeah, that's true. So it, I don't know if it was. It, yeah, I guess it's it's about the area. But I went up um, to. Or I've I've just had conversations with people from New Jersey, and they say they they mentioned Washington Lee, and no one. Yeah, I mean, I do think it it gets an unfair rap as a Southern school, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. There's nothing wrong with being Southern. Right. But the fact is this school is really very mixed, right? Mm -hmm. You've got kids from almost every state. Actually, might be every state with this incoming class. I think we finally got somebody from Idaho or something. (laughs) Um, But I do think uh, that that, that it's a huge strength. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's well mixed throughout the country. No, I agree. But th- that's funny that you but said culturally. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like I'm from Rochester, New York, or I'm originally from a little town called Norwich. Like nobody talked or knew yeah. about this place back then. Okay. In fact, I got recruited to play football and it's just that uh, the coach at the time was from upstate New York and uh, he recruited a ton of football players from New York and Pennsylvania. And not that there weren't plenty of Texans and plenty of others, but there was an unusually no- large number of right. guys from New York. It's also a lot easier to find, I mean, with the internet and everything, this oh, whole new generation sure. to find schools yeah. like that and come across stuff. So, how'd you end up finding Recru- recruited? Recruited. Yeah. What position? I was a receiver. Very fun. Not a very good one. <laughs> Better than me because I, I, I mean, I played. Yeah, yeah. I never, I didn't even step foot on it. I didn't even try to play football because I, I used to be, um, what, like 94 pounds in eighth grade and probably like barely 5'2 and, until my sophomore year of high school, I, I started growing, but that was only because I, I started lifting a lot and I was already wrestling then. So I kind of dropped everything else. I was doing cross country, which I hated and baseball, um, which I just, I wasn't strong enough to hit it out of the infield. So everything was telling me like, if you go down this path, it's not going to be, you know, good. And so. wrestling and football. I mean, there are a lot of people who do both, but it's such a terrible mix, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to be bigger in football and you want to be, you don't want to be bigger. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. you want to be whatever is right. your achievable weight. It's totally, totally contra- mm-hmm. contradictory demands. Yeah. So you played all four years? Football here? Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's probably the group too when you talk about like community and, you know, that's the group I see the most and talk to the most and the most jokes with us. Yeah. you already have a million jokes with those guys mm-hmm. the most you probably can't say on a podcast but mm-hmm. it's fun right right no it is um and what i'm happy about is starting this podcast i already had several of them on and you kind of realize or, or learn more about those people that they present themselves in a different way in the wrestling room um and around the team but then just sitting down with them one-on-one you can learn a lot from yeah, them um, sure. which is why i'm Glad I did this and yeah. trying to take it off. Um, but 
I I heard you have a piece of the Berlin Wall. Is that right? I do. I do. I want to talk about that. Sure. Um, and the whole. So I guess, that, that actually is that. one of the things that interested. You know, I started taking German as a young person um, through high school. It took a little bit of here, but not not mm-hmm. too much at Tommy now. Um, but the thing that got me interested in German was ending up being stationed there. So I was there two years before the wall fell and two years after the wall fell. So it was really kind of an interesting time to be there with mm-hmm. the Cold War alerts. Oh my gosh, the you know the war's about right. to start. It's not going to start, and um, it was really exciting to be there when the wall fell. When it fell, we drove there, and there's a picture of me and my wife at the time taking a big piece of the wall out. So it's it's legit. Wow. And uh, I have I do have that. How big is a piece? It's big. It's it's about that big, but it's got a huge piece of metal rebar that's holding it together. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a really exciting time to be there, um, but it was sort of a it was like a um, geopolitical whiplash too because I'm going to get the years wrong um, because I'm getting old. But was it maybe 19 until in 89? I want to say Veterans Day of 1990. The uh, commander called us all together. Is usually have a safety briefing before you let somebody mm-hmm. let folks out for a. Um, for a long weekend and he said hey hooray peace dividend enjoy your long weekend when we come back we'll be packing our stuff up and we'll be redeploying back to the united states because germany was still considered just a deployment even though we were mm-hmm. there for decades right. uh we're going to go to fort carson colorado Woo-hoo. so everybody's excited i get in a car and go skiing with some friends in my unit thankfully i was the lowest ranking of those friends there were some pretty senior people that were on along no cell phones back then, no way to contact us. We didn't sign out. So technically we were AWOL. Um, we get back and there's MPs waiting for us at the front gate mm-hmm. because we had gotten orders while we were gone to deploy to the Middle East. So, wow. you know, all this time spent sort of training for combat in Central Europe in a totally different type of terrain. And then all of a sudden that that's over. No more war is going to happen. You're going to the U.S. Then all of a sudden, too, you're deploying to the Middle East. And I want to say that was, of course, November, and we left right around Christmas time. So a little about a month later. Wow, it was crazy. I mean, just just <laughs> like in I, you don't think it at the time, but just like in hindsight, geopolitically, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. How how quickly that that happened. Did, I mean, I, I I know you said you were um, you served for seven years, but mm-hmm. did that all seem to? When you look back on it, did it did it seem a lot shorter than it did? Like, did all the memories oh, yeah, kind of like condense? Sure. I mean, the older you get, the more that yeah, that's a phenomenon, right? Interesting. Math, yeah. right? It's a yeah, smaller yeah. percentage of your life, but yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, well, the the precursor to that, I guess, was so. Did you? And I, I may have not been listening well enough. You came out of high school and then you um, enlisted, or did you go to college first? No, and... I came here. Um, oh, okay. And did it? I, I ended up getting an ROTC, a three-year right. ROTC scholarship. My parents couldn't really afford this place, um, so I did an ROTC scholarship, and I was yeah. an RA. So that got me tuition. Yeah, RA thing got me room and board. Mm-hmm. So I ended up really not 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 paying any money for this place in the end. Um, but didn't know anything about the military either. There's no great yeah. military tradition in my family. Right, right, so right. I just did it and sort of stumbled into the, the, the jobs that I got just by thinking, wow, I, I would like to do something challenging. You know, I really yeah, had no, yeah, yeah. no concept That's funny of what I'm doing. I mean, there, you know, kind of knew there were a ton of cadets at the time. The ROTC was yeah. on our campus at the time. 
I want to say maybe we commissioned 15 people in my class, which is a huge number. Yeah. Because the class was maybe three something back then, 320 mm-hmm. as opposed to four or something. Yeah, like, like 450 or something. Right. I put it this way, we graduated in front of the president's house. It fit, it fit there in <laughs> Actually, that piece of grass. Wow. Um, yeah, so I sort of stumbled into what I what I stumbled uh-huh. into. And so I don't know the details, but the ROTC, there's a there's a l- minimum amount that you have to well, you can do a couple different things. At least back then, I'm sure it's roughly the same now. You can you can compete for a regular army slot. Uh-huh. You can compete for an active reservist slot, or you can compete for a reservist slot, or, or put in for those. You know, I'm, I'm just a competitive person, so I wanted to do what they. So I put in for a regular army commissioning, and I was, so I was a regular army officer wow. for uh, my time when I went in. Mm-hmm. Did you think you'd stay that long? I didn't. No, I actually thought I'd do four years and go to law school or go to um, go to business school, one of the two. It's it you know so I'm I'm a combat veteran as is your dad and you know you have a lot of experiences like that but well, you don't have a lot I'm sorry but when you come out of experiences like that even though um, those are very difficult in my opinion trying experiences you wear your resume on your chest and on your sleeve there's certain things that are on this sleeve and there's certain things that are right. on your, your chest um and it's very hard to get out because it's you know you 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 commit you can command respect just by walking into a, a room with what you have on your on your uniform Absolutely. so um yeah so i stayed for probably a little bit longer i stayed in extra duty station i Went to Fort Benning and did the infantry officer advanced course and then went to Fort Bragg. So I was at Fort Bragg when I got out. Interesting. I live right next to uh, Fort Jackson. So yeah, that's where all the trainees go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a, yeah, it's a, just a neighborhood right next to it, but um, you can hear the trumpets in the morning and right. it's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my dad, I, I always enjoyed hearing the stories that he would tell. He's a great storyteller and the, the ones that he would be happy to share you know he told me that in uh in the desert because the desert you know gets ridiculously cold at night so coldest um, i've ever been yeah. it was like 77 <laughs> degrees really because it had been 119 yeah day. Yeah, yeah um and he said that the most miserable he had ever been was he had to dig a hole uh to and you know put his sleeping bag down in this you know six foot hole that was um in the desert and it started raining and, and the hole filled up with yeah, water. I um, do. Re- he and I were there in a desert at a time when it rained. Honest, swear to you, there was grass growing in places. Actually, because it was such a miserable winter. Wow. There, I do remember that very well. Uh, we were constantly moving, so I wasn't digging holes, and uh-huh. so I didn't have that experience. Yeah. I was a reconnaissance platoon leader at the time. I was a reconnaissance platoon leader at the time. At a, when somebody says you're in charge, you're in charge. That's not always a, a natural thing for people, but it, I don't hesitate with things like that. Two years at the time that started. And of course, then they froze everybody in their position. So I mean, I knew my people really, really well. We had, you know, do, done extensive patrolling training mm-hmm. in Germany. And How I, large is this group? Um, when we deployed 36, because we had a few ad, ad, attachments that, that came with us. So right. it's a big group of guys. Um, but I wasn't new at it, you know, mm-hmm. even though I was a lieutenant and much younger, it was a really kind of an unusual situation. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was good, but we were, you know, we didn't, I, I believe your, your, your dad's unit got there earlier and they probably dug in place yeah. for a bit. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know the specific details, but just random stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, 
No, he's, he, yeah, he, he tells a lot of that. He tells me a lot of stories about basic training, um, funny stuff, but, um, you know, he, he, he came out of high school, uh, and he got into some colleges, but he wasn't really satisfied where he got in. So he was like, all right, I'll just, you know, go, go serve. Yeah. 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 Do, um, <clears throat> I cannot remember where they were. I, I mean, I have that map in my head of who deployed where, but I can't remember where the 101st was. I know the 101st and the 80s, I got there early. Yeah. Probably got there before that Veterans Day thing I was telling you about. Because I think he invaded in some August-ish. We didn't deploy until December. Interesting. I'm sure your dad was there. He was in Kuwait. I know that. Yeah. We were all in Kuwait. Oh, okay. Um, Kuwait, Iraq, and Iran, maybe? Iran? Uh, I doubt Iran, but Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Iraq, for sure. Okay. Very cool. Um, What's, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Well, I mean, if if you'd be willing, is is there any like story or like crazy story that, that you have? um, I just think, you know. Or just anything that you kind of took away from your seven years that that you, you find yourself using in your life. Like my dad's very regimented and just uh, obviously of course you're going to come out of the military like that yeah yeah, for sure you bring a certain demeanor out of that especially when you're in charge i think um you know i went to ranger school too and i that taught me when somebody says you're in charge you're in charge that's not always a a natural thing for people but i don't hesitate with things like that right like i i've I've been trained to say yep i got it kind (laughs) of thing um and so that that's a huge important lesson I think also just just getting to know know people, like understanding that, yep, hierarchies exist for a reason, but they don't they aren't necessarily the most effective ways to use to interact with people. So sure, I'm I'm in charge of thirty six people, most of whom are much older than I am and much more experienced. But I, you know, they we learned to trust one another in a way because I worked very hard to sort of break down those boundaries so when you go to war or when you're not at war you know the army is very hierarchical but given the nature of the work that we did in reconnaissance it becomes a very flat organization when you go to the field and you need to run it like that and i think i I find it actually interestingly similar to academia although that sounds crazy you know we do have a hierarchy but hierarchy here that that is in place but it is very very flat i think especially given the nature of Mm -hmm. what professors do um so that that you know, I, that, that mixture appeals to me. Right. I was going to say that uh, that translates pretty well because you're, you're an associate provost, um, here you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but Liam said you're third in command. Is that, or how does that work? Well, that's the hard part about this, you know, it, so the, here's how the army set up. The army is set up with sort of what we call green tab leaders. This is in combat arms. Green tab leaders are actually in charge of troops. Okay. So like if you're a brigade commander, you have some um, battalion commanders work for you. There's company commanders who work for them. Sorry. Yeah, and then platoon leaders underneath that. But all along there, there are staff officers who aren't quote unquote green tab leaders. So uh-huh. I, the way I think of it in my pea brain is when, I'm a, when I was a department chair, I was definitely a green tab leader, like maybe a company commander. Sure. Right now I am sort of the executive officer for the person who's the second in command here, and that'd be Lena Hill. Um, so that that's how I think of it. I'm, I'm sort of an, a, an, a staff advisor for her right mm. now. Um, not really in the kind of in charge of troops sort of thing right. like, like she is. Very cool. 
It's you, hard to, yeah. it's, it's hard to no, explain, I'm trying to, I'm how trying my to picture brain it. works. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you also were the but head yes, of there the, is in up in Washington Hall, there's the president, the provost, uh -huh. and now there's a second. So there's two associate provosts. Okay, now. that makes sense. Um, but you, you were also the head of the COVID committee sure. or what is the title, I guess? Uh, COVID-19 committee. Okay. And that, that started immediately or I guess it, it, in high school, it was like Well, let's March. start with the end. It died last <clears throat> Thursday and we had a party to, to take all the stuff down. Seriously, because the federal government um, declared an end to the yeah, 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 yeah. emergency I I on May that. 11th. I got the whole committee together. We were heliotrope. And oh, so you are still sort shut of working. The, shut the the inbox down, shut yeah. everything down on um, May 11th. No, we weren't doing too much with it. Right. I mean, but, you know, you, you still got letters and those, yeah. those or emails and those emails reflected the same sort of continuum of opinions that we had to navigate, you know, yeah. down the middle as an institution. But that started, I want to say the committee was formed in July of 2020. There were many, many subcommittees looking at right. many different aspects of university life, like mm -hmm. visitors, even academics, classroom spaces, all right. sorts of stuff. And then that came together under my charge. Uh, I, I think July, I'd have to go back and look. Very cool. Um, but how how was how was COVID like dealt with on campus? Because I was I was a junior in high school and yeah. we were released um, and everything was Zoom. Well, so. we let everybody go in the middle of um, it would have been March. It was in the winter term, and we yeah. we sort of played that out on Zoom, and then we did the the spring term of that year totally on Zoom remotely. Everybody was remote, huh. and then we made a, a pledge to bring people back for the right. fall, which right, we right. did. But there was, you know, a mix of classes that were online, a mix of classes mm -hmm. that were face to face. So, that was up know, to the professor, I guess. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm a professor and I always taught face to face. I couldn't imagine like teaching German on Zoom or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but we did leave that to the professors and that that whole year was pretty not fun. You know, like yeah, it was lots of remote things it's just not a normal year um and then in, it, it, but that was a year of pre-vaccine so the kind of stance of the committee was no covid right because it was still considered very dangerous mm -hmm. um and of course then that 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 statement alone became very politicized right but once vaccines started becoming available it was the the stance of the committee on into the second year was sort of covid containment and then as a, at a certain point, we had a, a, a vaccine level that was high enough. And then we had that variant called Omicron, which would have been your senior year yep. high school, yep. maybe. And then it was just like, there's no, there's no containing it. Yeah. You know, it had, it had spread so much. And that's when we started sort of backing off everything as we could. So huh. it was two plus years of, of dealing with that. Right. You know, and that, that, you know, outside of combat, probably the most stressful time of my professional life and also the most challenging time. Um, because of, the, you know, dealing, trying to make decisions in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, a world of complete uncertainty, right? Absolutely. You put out a policy on a Thursday and by Friday at five o'clock, you might have to change it change based it, on yeah. what was said. So it was really, and, and then you, we have a continuum of, of constituents, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, on the one hand, some people took it very, very seriously. The kids that were in New York, you know, 
saw people saw bodies piled up right yeah and then you had some kids on the other hand who you know or or or, or parents or alumni or 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 whatever who sort of didn't believe in it mm -hmm. and you have to run an institution down the middle of that and yes, so sir. there's no way to run that institution without taking sort of incoming fire from both sides oh, yeah. it was super challenging mm -hmm. what sort of regulations did you all have like i i know in my high school you, you, know, you had to wear a mask and yeah it's funny because like i don't even remember all i mean i do we, we masked yeah. and we distanced right yeah. but when we did what and uh, you know it's all sort of a blur i'd have yeah, to go back course, and look and i think that is one thing that we're working on is to, is to sort of reconstruct what we've done at least with the archived um, mailings that we did uh -huh. to the community so that you know if something like this happens again we have sort of a game plan but yeah, a lot of the difficulty was that we we masked and we distanced people in the classroom. So, you know, and, you know, we don't have huge classroom spaces. Yeah, right. So that cut our class size down. It, you know, it had a lot of ramifications mm -hmm. on down um, until we were able to, you know, sort of slowly come back to normal. Mm -hmm. So there actually had to be a change in the amount of people that could be yeah. in per class. So yeah. less people were able to the get the seats in were spread out. Yeah. There were same huh. hand sanitizers everywhere right. you know it was quite a yeah. thing yeah i mean i i it was still around um i mean we were wearing masks my freshman year um and then it was starting to loosen up where that became optional um but no i uh, my, my senior year it, I, i'm not i wasn't really like upset that that kind of came around my senior year because it was still you know doable and yeah i don't think it messed everything up that much i remember getting COVID on my birthday though my senior year and i was on yeah. zoom and my whole friend group like um <clears throat> these four girls and these three guys like we were all on zoom and we had a lot of classes together so it was just our friend group because um we sure. all had that so and it was around my birthday so I, I i was actually talking to my friend about this the other day but COVID for a lot of people um you know it was a bad time and it wasn't I mean, yeah, everything was shut down. Um, but in the m most respectful way, like for me at least, it was, I don't know, I, I really, it's kind of nostalgic because there yeah, are a lot of- weird, it is, like, sure, like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Liam jokingly said to me, I said, I'm not going to read, not that long ago, I'm not going to lie to you, most people still hate you because we, we ran this committee. <laughs> but right. I'll tell you what, because I know how to run groups of people, you ask anybody on that COVID committee, that is one high morale committee because we use humor. Yeah. We're a very tight-knit group. We had a blast on on, on uh, last Thursday. Like, it, you know, and you had to. You had to. It, you, I, I, that, that was a real focus of mine, making sure that these folks can work together uh -huh. and everybody was kind of getting along and trusted one another. Because right. Otherwise, it would be even more impossible than it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so I definitely like there is definitely some nostalgia for that. We were mm -hmm. it was funny. Somebody was joking at the thing. They were, they were like, you know, what we could do is just remain a task force and whatever the university wants <laughs> right. us to work on. Exactly. Just point us in that direction yeah. because we did pretty good with that. Um, no, I mean, but I don't know. I, I remember watching um, the Shawshank Redemption, like the very first night of not having class or one of the first weeks or whatever. And that's now my favorite movie. My dad been talking about it forever that's um it's amazing no, it's, it's crazy that that's a stephen king yeah story right oh yeah it was a book totally out of his <laughs> yeah yeah i don't even think it's a, a novel i think it's just a short story yeah. yeah 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 um no but that's i mean i'd recommend that movie to everyone but um i i watched that and then there are tv series that you know just i hadn't watched um i hadn't watched since but i mean 
just yeah. you know there, there there's this whole era of uh tiktok tiktok was kind of yeah. big around covid and stuff but i mean i don't know there's just memories of um you couldn't go to public gyms but i have a gym in my garage so my yeah. me and my friend would just yeah. come over and um do lifts and as sad or as bad as like the covid era was i mean I, there are like a lot of things that I enjoy from I, it. I so. think that's what we do, right? That's what humans do. We sit around and we pick out where we, you know, a, a woman couldn't have a second baby if they couldn't find the joy in having a baby, right? Because yeah. it would be very painful in my imagination. Right, right, baby, right, right. right, But I think that's true of a lot of these traumatic, I mean, that was a traumatic experience even for you, right? Yeah. But I think we do look back on that in our, in, in our, in our sense-making way we try to find those sorts of things. And I think that's a, that's a really important thing to be able to do. It's not always easy. I mean, I do that, you know, I have army reunions we get together and we mostly laugh, right? We right. mostly don't sit around and talk about, you know, the, the difficulties of it. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that's just even stuff like this, just like sitting down and, and talking and figuring out, um, I guess ways to yeah it, it enjoy just, it, it ultimately became like a sociology or an anthropology thing it became and a political thing it right, became right way less about epidemiology and the more it became that the more intensely difficult mm -hmm. it became because people didn't trust this source of medical information but did trust this source of medical information and it was really difficult yeah, yeah. basically we picked a source and stayed with it mm-hmm because it was called the Virginia Department yep. of Health. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and, 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 and we had to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to pivot from uh, this and ask you, so what, do you have a gauge on the faculty's um, perspective on this whole rise of like open AI and like chat GPT and... That's a good question. Because um, I, I think you have a background in technology, I, yeah. I was told. Yeah, I write on technology. Um, we had two really good training sessions on it and I was happy to hear largely the attitude. Um, we've got to figure out how to incorporate this. You're not stopping it. Right. right. It, 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 we're sort of in a moment like people didn't stop doing math with the invention of the calculator. Mm -hmm. They didn't stop doing arithmetic people. Um, you, you know, we're, we're at a real inflection point and we've got to figure out how to incorporate it, how to use it or whatever. But you know, it, it I, I take such a, a long view of technology and even I can't it's Aristotle or Socrates, it better be Socrates who who wrote about the written word right. and how horrible the written word was going to be for human beings because it was going to weaken your memory and it was going to give everybody the false impression of wisdom. You didn't know mm -hmm. anything. You just had it written down. Right. And that's an early technology, right? Yeah. And we hear that with, when certain technologies are implemented you heard that with a typewriter yeah oh my goodness what are how how are we ever going to write again huh. you heard that with with word processing and so forth so you know what's new is is also old and so i i just you know we, we humans incorporate those technologies as best we can so i was pleased it with the couple of training sessions that we had that that was sort of the um approach that's not to say it's not this is this is very very different right right you know it can it the, the the things that it's capable of is 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 are are um impressive or horrifying depending on on your point of view 
Um, so we're, we're just going to continue along and, and keep, you know, trying to train people to use it if they want to mm-hmm. have these conversations with students in the class that, that, that it's not acceptable to just have AI right. write a paper for you. I mean, we, we sort of have that ground laid, that groundwork laid obviously right. with, with the, um, um, honor system, but why not make an assignment where you ask chat GPT to write that paper for hmm. you and then you critique that paper and hand it in. That could be a cool assignment. Right. And there, just so that you're looking at this thing and, and you're figuring out how to, how to use it. Right. And I contrast that with an article, a very, very breathless article that came out in the New York times, maybe January, February. Um, you know, they interviewed different professors across the country. Oh yes. I'm never going to allow my students to write a paper at home. They're going to sit in a classroom and write that paper with a pen and pencil so that I know it's their original work. I get the impulse to do that, but mm-hmm. that's, it's over. It's, it's <laughs> right. over. You know, it's the same as people getting angry that they don't teach cursive in the elementary schools anymore. That's over. Cursive is gone. You know, we don't really, we, we print and we mostly type. Right. And, and it's just the way sort of things evolve. Mm-hmm. It would just be a waste of time to try to fight it, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, once the internet comes out, what Mosaic 2.0 in, in 19, is that 1990, 1991, maybe 93, it doesn't matter. There was no shutting the internet off after that. Right. You know, I mean, we had different expectations for it, but it it, it, it wasn't going away after that. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. things very different. It just makes what we have to do here a lot different, right? You know, in the 1980s, it was really important that we sort of assimilated knowledge however you want to understand that memorize and you know sort of spit back things not really a, a reason for that anymore really what we're in the mode of is most importantly we were then too but but i think now most importantly you have to be able to evaluate analyze and evaluate and synthesize the knowledge that that's out there because you, you you know you got everything in your pocket you got the answer to everything in your pocket yep. if you want it to be that way but you're not sure which answer goes back to covid right yeah it's probably a simple epidemiological question. It sure is, but it became much more complex. And that's that's what we have to do. Is That's what we do in the liberal arts, right? It's a perfect thing for the liberal arts because we deal with the complexity of intellectual questions all the time and try to take it in different layers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, it just it reminds me of uh, this class that I took my is my fall of my freshman year. It was uh, Econ 180, which mm-hmm. is the fourth industrial revolution is what it's called. It's a seminar with uh, Professor Goldsmith and Casey. Um, and when I was when I was picking out my classes for my freshman year, um, or at least the fall term, I thought, I, I, I didn't really think it through where, oh, you have your standard of 100 level classes that most people just check off. I just started taking, I heard like, oh, take classes that you're interested in. So I saw cognitive behavioral science um, with a lab and I was like, okay, I'll take that and I'll take Russian. Um, it ended up being one of probably my hardest term I've had because, you know, it's my first term here right, right. and I'm taking these non 100 level classes. Um, but that class is one that I consistently cite and just in regular conversations yeah. because we learned about um, AI and automation, and it was more of a, you know, it was about the fourth industrial revolution, what, how jobs and the economy are going to look right. um, with the invention um, of, you know, um, 
computer with sentience and everything like that. So speaking of flattening things out, right. As opposed to higher, like, like the industrial revolution came with its own sociological side effects, right? Hierarchies, you know, when, when I was a kid, I learned about the food chain. You Uh learn about the food web, right? Yeah. 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 Kid, like the metaphors even change as these different facets of industrialization come along. So the metaphor of the chain of command or the food chain, Mm -hmm. it's not, that's not how we work, right? Yeah. There are, there are social classes that are sort of hierarchical. We call them those things, but that's also not how we're a web, right? Mm -hmm. Humans are a web, just like everything else. We exist within a broader web. We don't exist on top of any, if we, if that were true, it'd be a little weird, right? But these types of things change, change, organizations and the way we talk about everything this kind of fourth wave Mm -hmm. and i also think that's put a pitch in for liberal arts i think it's perfect right like liberal arts because you know you you can't come to washington lee and train to be a petrochemical engineer you just can't take that deep of a dive and i think as we see kind of the way knowledge is developed and the way knowledge is sort of more flatly distributed and spread it we i think our graduates are really really well placed to deal with that now of course you go on to graduate school or whatever and you take right. your deep dive and it, you should have a deep dive but i think what we're, where we are you know we're much we're, we're we're out of that sort of highly specialized disciplinary era of the 19th and 20th centuries and come into a much flatter broader era and, I, and it doesn't make me worried for liberal arts at all. If, if we if we talk about it in the right way and we we offer the right skills along with it, I think we're really well positioned. Yeah. And I think you see that in in sort of applicant application numbers and things like that for places right. that are liberal arts schools. Um, I don't know if I should be concerned that I'm doing strategic communications with a heavy emphasis on like writing, but I think Chat GPT and sure. you think so. I do. I think. I think. I think you still need to. But yeah, it, it, it's that's interesting in that field. They were the ones that asked the best questions. I would yeah. say it was Professor Shatton who gave the first talk about it. Basically, just going through what all the um, uh, capabilities of it are, and then um, Professor Hanstead in the Heart Center then talked about ways of incorporating into your class. But no, no, it's it's that's an interesting way to think. Right. Um... No, I, a lot of friends joke with me that like, oh, you're gonna have to find, you're gonna have to switch majors or something like that because this is gonna take, this is gonna start doing your job. But then you'll manage know. the way that touches you, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure you know somebody <laughs> said that when 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 word processing came out. Yeah, oh, you're it's obsolete, done. man. It's done. You yeah. know, yeah, but yeah, it's just not. Or novelists also thought the typewriter that's gonna kill the art mm. of writing a novel. Right. It's not like it. it, it but it's scary. This thing came across my Twitter feed yesterday. AI depiction of what a professor looks like based on their field, like economics, history. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm flipping through there going, oh, my gosh. Like, is it, this is exactly is what I would think of when wow. I look, thought of a history professor or yeah. whatever. Very, very, very interesting. Mm. That's funny. Did it did it uh, depict a German professor pretty no, accurately? I, I don't even remember <laughs> if it got to German. Uh, a language? If it, it would be easy to do German. Um, yeah, and then and then there's a you know Professor Shatton was talking about a WNL alum who works with AI developed art, mm-hmm. and they develop it. This is their business. They develop it. They send it um, to China or somewhere in Asia to be painted. 
and they bring it back and they frame it. It's AI developed stuff and they're selling it like people can. So it's just another business, right? That right. didn't exist before. Does that mean people aren't going to paint anymore? No. Another example, photography. That's going to kill. It's going to kill painting. Nobody's going to paint anymore because why would you paint if I could take a photograph and have an absolutely realistic depiction of of reality? Well, the answer is that's not a realistic depiction of reality. It also involves the manipulation of light, as does painting. And in fact, painting does something in our brains that photography mm -hmm. doesn't do. It's going to be the same thing, I think. I'm not poo-pooing it. It's a huge, huge thing, but we're going to figure out ways to deal with it, I'm sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I tell a lot of people that the one thing in my field um, or in general that I'm not really concerned about AI taking over is just salesmen just selling yeah. and having that personal connection with someone. You know, I don't think a robot um, no. is ever going to be able to take that away. But that was an interesting thing. Chat, and that's what he put up there. He put up. He, he put in uh, chat GPT at the time in January was newer. Right. There was a, a, a what do you call him? A, a woman who's speaking as a bot. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. Just uh, yeah, an avatar. Avatar. Um, and, you know, she got some things wrong and it, you could tell. And then he did the same question to the same avatar two weeks later. Amazing. Perfect. Not perfect, but yeah. incredible. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's cool. I want to think it's cool, but it's also like pretty freaky. It's but I mean, scary. so was the internet, I guess. I mean, I wasn't For obviously certain, around, but. It was going to make everybody dumb, just like writing was. Yeah. The internet was going to make you stupid because you were. And now social media is making your attention span. It's small. always letter writing. Letter writing in the 18th century was a horror for people because it, it involved you you know, it involved number one, you had to have your house on a network and these letters intruded into your private space and you read them privately and you responded privately. Right. Right. I mean, the, the rhetoric around this stuff is always the mm -hmm. same. It's kind of, it's kind of why I'm a technological optimist. Like we'll handle it. Hmm. This could get dangerous, right. With bad actors out there putting out you know, perfect right. misstatements from a political figure, for example, that could get dicey. Mm -hmm. I have to figure out ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, there's one question that Liam wanted me to ask you, um, and you can choose to answer or not, but he said, what did you think of Liam's birthday present last year? Oh, man. <laughs> so Liam tells a lot of stories. They, these guys think, when I, well, these guys thought when I was in Berlin, I was just like, they're, they're like, um, they're fun time leader. Right. All right. <laughs> oh, so you went with them when he went uh, abroad? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was there. I, it was me and Professor Hassan. And oh, okay. But Liam bought me a beer that I didn't have time to finish because I had to run to a meeting. Because when you're t teaching in Germany, it's fun. I love it. You know, I go nine to five in yeah. Berlin. But then the day is starting here at like 11 a.m. Yeah, so yeah, then yeah. I had to go home and do. Um, Liam was really bummed that I didn't finish his beer. Oh, gosh. That's funny. Now he was, And it he was, was also not a good beer. I'll say that for the public record, too. Interesting. He bought, you know, <laughs> something cheap. some second-rate beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, he, we're, we're, we are very close. And um, he, he introduced you to me as respectfully not his friend, but like his friend. Because um, yeah. you guys have known each other for a while. So yeah. did he sit and he takes, um, did y'all meet through German? No, he doesn't take German. He took it as, um, he's in business, right? I think so. We, we took a 
several non, we took about half and half this year, German speakers and non-German speakers. Oh, okay. Uh, just to make it bigger. I mean, I, more people should be exposed to Berlin than less, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and you can't travel for four weeks with people in, uh, like eight hours a day without getting to know mm -hmm. them really well. Yeah. It was a great group. Very cool. But why? I, I want to, I know we touched on this uh, early in our conversation, but you chose German just because at the time it was a little different, but I mean, the history is very um, interesting and um, I just want to hear how you fell in love with not just the language, but just the well, history. I, I fell in love with the everything. language for sure. Um, the history is so contentious that uh -huh. it's fascinating to me, right? Um, and then being stationed there and living there during that time was really, really interesting, right? Because, you know, these were two totally different countries when they were put back together. They had been apart for two generations. That's a long time. And so just watching that process made me really interested. But I'm also really interested in Germans in general. It's just a fascinating country. Like if just one silly example, like if you're standing on a street corner in the United States and the sign says, don't walk, but there's not a car coming for 10 miles in either direction, you're going to cross. Right. This is what you do. If that you're doing that in Germany, you stand there and you wait. And if you don't wait, someone can't could say something to you like, what are you thinking crossing the street when it's really right and like things like that i just think wow that is so odd but like yeah. so fundamental to their culture even in berlin which isn't the most german of german cities right. it's so international but it's just an it's a you know I'm, i've always been attracted to the kind of oddities of german uh -huh. culture being careful not to overly draw conclusions about that but think about it what that mm. means in terms of rules. Yeah. That's, I guess like, that, that's, that's done in the, in, in, in the guise of like setting a good example for children so that they don't get hurt, huh. but you wouldn't do that. People would look at you funny if you were standing on a street corner in the United States and there were no cars coming because you're just standing on a street corner yeah. rather than moving. But it's hmm. it happened to me uh, last time we were there. I'm just headed off to yoga. It's a Sunday morning. No, nobody's out. Berlin's like New York. It's a late starting city. Yeah. It was Sunday. And there's, I'm standing at the street. There's a guy across with, with a stroller and a toddler in it. Yeah. And I uh, just crossed the street. Didn't, you know, didn't wait. He's standing there waiting. I get over the other side. And he was like, looks at me like, when das mit dem Kind? He was like, you do that in front of my child? I was like, <laughs> so culturally different yeah. right, than the United States. That's funny. That's like those unwritten rules. You ever heard of the um, example of the, the, the shopping cart example where yes. it's, you, you you take out a shopping cart and there's no rule or law that says that you have to return it to the little area um, right. or even walk it back to the store. But sometimes if no one's looking, like you yeah, may just like, sure. leave it right next to the car. Or the only place like you don't do that is Kroger because it'll roll downhill <laughs> yeah. and crash into That's exactly right. Yeah. No, it's true. So you think that? So, yeah, I've been really, I was always fascinated with them then living there. And then I've lived there on and off now for many, I guess, several years at this point. Uh-huh. And I've been going back and forth to Berlin now regularly since about 1989. Cool. And, you know, it's it's that's a fascinating city to watch grow and change. Um, but the country as a whole is as well. How often do you go back and forth? Um, about once a year. Uh, and you stay there for a little a bit lot more often when my research was. Right. But, I, I, you know, as an administrator, I don't have a lot of time. To... But you stay there for like what, like a couple of weeks? Well, we were stationed there. So I lived there for four years in yeah. um the 80s and right. then had a couple of longer stints one year in hamburg on a fulbright uh, when i was writing my second book 
and then other summer stays in different places to do to do research. So my, my research is always focused on sort of the German take on various technologies. Mm -hmm. So I've written a book on the railway. I've written a book on um, computing technologies. Mm -hmm. and right. Then, um, I saw that. Had my research before I became an administrator was about nano, right. nanotechnology. Now. That's what they had on the, your uh, bio online. Yeah. All your work. Very cool. Um, I mean, my dad's pushing me to travel right after I graduate. Just take a month or something yeah. like that, whether Pretty it's good. in the U.S. Just because, you know, once once you get started with a job and a serious relationship, he's like, all oh, all that goes away. And well, well, it's cliche. What I, what I would I mean, challenge in that is not to go travel and hit 50 countries in seven days. I would challenge find a city, do some research and go live there for a month and get to know it. That, that is traveling. Get to knowing one, 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 one know. place like, and their there's culture. There's no way. And I'm not saying Berlin necessarily, but it'd be like saying you're going to New York, you know, for two days. What, what are you going to get to know yeah. in New York in two days? Nothing. Yeah. But if you live there, you'll be in a neighborhood, you'll travel all around the city, you'll do different things. It's just a different way of, mm. of looking at it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I'm I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. You look at Columbia. That's I show people pictures of it. Um, it's nothing impressive at all. It's a pretty small capital relative to most other states. And um, you know, my as I wouldn't know this, but I'm repeating what my dad says. He's like, it's a great place to raise a family. Um, so that's that's kind of that, that's why when I ask him why I grew up there, yeah. he just says he just likes the community and and, and the people. Um, but, I mean, yeah, no, no, I no one's I mean, gonna no one's gonna know what Columbia is and coming for one day and they're like this place, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, there's more to it than that, right? Even so. a small town like like take a medium sized city in Croatia, and just go live there. Croatia, wherever. I mean, Croatia's yeah. got great beaches. That's yeah, of course. Croatia, be incredible. Mm -hmm. We, um, I was in a singing group of it was an audition singing group of thirty um, in high school and it was like called the select ensemble and every two years we would go um somewhere abroad it didn't have to be europe but largely it was um and my year my sophomore year we went to prague oh we went to krakow poland then uh we're there for like four That's days an amazing city right yep so it was, yeah it's incredible. it was it was very i've, cool. I've, I've never even heard like of it three days yeah and you you need to be there a lot mm-hmm Right. Um, and then we took the. It might be the train. most beautiful city center in Europe. Like that. You think so? Oh, my goodness. It was very it cool. Spectacular. And we were there when it was um, it was right after Christmas. So mm -hmm. there was snow everywhere. Um, uh, that's cool. And there was and, a Christmas market downtown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where they had taken it down if it was right. after Christmas. But. Yeah. And we were in some mountains, little town at one point where it was something out of like, a you know, a, a painting or something. Like it was just yeah. like this isolated little mountain town. But. Yeah. Um, there was snow everywhere, but I don't know. It was just, it was cool. And I, I, I wasn't on my phone. Um, I don't think like, I'd like to think that I was never on my phone that much cause I wanted to take, take it in. Um, but I still took a lot of photos and part of me wishes I didn't take as many photos cause you're so focused on getting the photo, right? right. That's what one of my professors told me is like, he didn't take any photos on one of his trips and it was cause yeah. You know, being there and actually taking it in is going to be better than looking back on yeah. some stuff. Um, so that yeah, was you're just yeah. you're, you're having a filtered experience mm -hmm. as opposed to a absolutely. Experience. So my senior year, we were supposed to go somewhere, um, and it may have been it was supposed to be South Africa or not. It may, I don't know, but um, 
COVID happened yeah, and, yeah. and then, I got canceled. So, but you, know, uh, you, you should also, if you met up with Professor Laureate over in mm-hmm. fellowships, you ought to do that. Okay. Ask him about Fulbright's for when you're done. All right. And go live somewhere for a year. I'd love that. Just, just it's L O A R. He does an amazing job, especially with people with Russian uh, okay. language background. Yeah, it was difficult um, because of the Ukrainian. I, I wanted to do um, the abroad yeah, trip. Yeah, Yulia, Yulia, the one they were going to do when we had to. Right, right. Yeah, but um, you know. Good decision. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but a lot of people ask me if if I'm planning on ever visiting Belarus again. And right now with uh, Alexander Lukashenko, who's right. basically um, very like-minded, like Putin, yeah. um, just not yeah. feasible. And there's no really way to get in touch with um, any of my family, biological family members. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to visit. I think it'd right. be cool to definitely visit Minsk, but... Another time. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. Yeah, uh, T- Tokyo is one place that I've... I'm very interested in Japanese um, art and their so history. Laura will tell you about this program called the JET program. It's sort of a Fulbright okay. spend a year in Japan wow. teaching English. Like, there's some cool stuff. You should go talk to him about that. I will. It's true. Your dad's right. Like, there's no reason to run out and get a job right away. Like, you should. I mean, these these are paid opportunities. I'm talking about too. Yeah. So I don't mean, you know, going to travel just for the heck of it. Yeah. But there are things that you can do. And and then, you know, make yourself more attractive on the job market mm-hmm. or more attractive to go to back to graduate school. You probably won't go to grad school right away, right? Um, I'm not sure yet. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see when it gets there. But I'm I'm definitely thinking about either getting um just my J D, like maybe not even maybe not taking the bar, but just mm-hmm. um going to law school for a little bit. Um just to it's a good skill to have and yeah. But uh, my dad at the end of the day, he's just like just you don't have to know what you want to do, just develop as many skills as you can that'll give you as many doors that are open right. you know it'll work out you're at a great you school a you have full, a great network you took a fulbright it's going to open it's just a it is a right. matter of mm-hmm. doors right like i was in the army then i taught high school coached football became a professor that is not a path that is a windy yeah. road right and i could have never laid that path out right. for you when i was 20 would not mm-hmm. have had any clue that it would do that it would go like that you know Very cool yeah, it's different. Um, well, kind of my final question before we wrap up, we're a little bit over an hour, is I, I know Berlin um, and Germany, you, you've been in Germany a lot, but what's besides um, Berlin and I guess you mentioned Krakow, what's one of the coolest places you've ever been or coolest, uh, most interesting cultures that you've gotten to experience? Well, you mean outside of Germany? Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, but... Or I, I may, think what's may, interesting may, about Germany yeah. is that it's like, I mean, may, maybe the Berlin answer is Germany. Somebody from Munich do yeah. not think they're from the same place. Yeah, because Bavaria is essentially the Texas of Germany, so they have a totally different sense of themselves. So I think probably the most eye-opening place. I mean, it doesn't even have to be outside now that you, yeah, you can I think expand on. The most on eye-opening place was Hamburg, Germany, right? Which you know is and we lived in Schleswig-Holstein which is the the German state near Hamburg yeah. which was Denmark at the time I mean back in the uh, 19th century so mm-hmm. it is fascinating to be there and see how that culture is as compared to being uh, I spent um uh several different summers um in a little town called Marbach near Stuttgart in the south it's a totally different 
culture. It's, it's amazing. The languages sound different. Everything sounds different. And I don't just mean in an accent. I mean, even the, the words they say. But, you know, I, I would have to say Hamburg was probably the most interesting because I've never really lived on a coast. And it's kind of a seafaring area, yeah. port and so forth. So it was just really kind of cool. To That's cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to write that down as a place I need to go. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, it's. It, it, I, I feel like for Americans in Germany, and this is, this is because for so long, so hundreds of thousands of Americans were stationed and living in Germany from, what, 1945 to right. even now. But... Our sector, the quote unquote American sector at the end of the war was southern Germany, Bavaria. Mm -hmm. So to the point where like travel guides sold in the U.S. will mention Berlin, not much about Hamburg, but they'll be, you know, it'll be Munich and the palaces and the Alps and all that, which is which is awesome. But it sort of gets left out in the American Mm -hmm. kind of understanding of Germany. Like if you go to a German restaurant in the United States, what do you think you see? You hear oompa music, yeah. you eat schnitzel, yeah. you see people in lederhosen. Right. None of that exists in <laughs> Hamburg. Or or if it does, yeah. it's a chain restaurant of course. catering to tourists who want to do that. Very cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Awesome. Well, we're, we're, we're a little bit over an hour, so. All right, man. I think, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. I, I think this is great. Uh,